This week, in the parish of bourses and market structure, Hong Kong exchanges profit surge, Hong Kong still loves LME. There is a naughty parish clone was on the loose, EEX hits antitrust, and SIBO have Canadian options on their mind. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 208. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of the highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of events from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. In BitCarnage this week, the ongoing slow train crash, which is the forefoot alert, decline of the Binance Empire continues. There's no sign of salvation, bounce, rescue ahead, but the management spun the we're opting out of payments because of corporate stuff just a week or so ago, as reported in Exchange Invest 2738 and in the BitCarnage substack as masters of the obvious. Thus, Binance nixed Connect their fiat crypto payment system. Little did we know it was worse than we reported, aka they had lost US dollar, euro, GB pound, Australian dollar, payment rails. It transpires, Checkout.com had dropped Binance over money laundering compliance concerns as well. In a pair of letters, according to a report in TechCrunch, sent to Binance on August 9th and August 11th, Checkout CEO Guillaume Poussaz terminated the company's relationship with its once largest customer, citing reports of regulators' actions and orders in relevant jurisdictions and inquiries from partners. Ouch. Of course, Binance being a new-age, karmic kind of enterprise with millennial attitudes, they promptly opted to consider legal action. That, I suppose, could prove a tricky one given that courts like disclosure and Binance traditionally doesn't see disclosure as something it really always has to do. Well, at least that's how Malta appears to have spun their Binance experience. And others have appeared to echo that story since as well. Anyway, Binance said it was only a flesh wound, aka minimal transactions, whereas it would appear folk closer to checkout reckoned it could be as much as $300-$400 million per month. Who knows, in a world reeking of forfud, maybe that just isn't so consequential to Binance even today. Way back when crypto was the next big thing, Checkout was processing $2 billion a month for Binance, helping propel the payments company boss, Guillaume Pouzaz, into a bracket of comfortable wealth after he raised a billion dollars at a $40 billion valuation for his firm last year. Yes, I know, I know. When you look at the legacy parish on an equivalent basis right now, you could essentially own Nasdaq and SIBO for a similar amount of money, aka $40 billion. And yes, indeed, I know where my cash would go. Anyway, at the same time, Pusaz's firm a couple of months ago became the main payments partner for the FT, that's the Financial Times, better known as the Brussels Bugle. 
That move into what is clearly a, one might call it, more credibly branded circle of business may have prompted the dumping of Binance. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, you can find BitCarnage as a standalone on Substack. Hong Kong itch shares were marked with an official celebration passing the milestone, which actually took place on the 15th of July. Because on the 15th of July 1993, 30 years ago, Tsingtao Brewery listed on Hong Kong exchanges and created the H Share Story segment, which has since seen 323 H Share listings, 307 on the main board, 16 on GEM, raising Hong Kong $2.9 trillion with a market capitalization of 5.9 trillion Hong Kong dollars. As Chairman Laura Chow of HKEX notes, I'm certain that without eight shares there would be no connect. And I'm certain that without eight shares, Hong Kong and the mainland's journey over the last 30 years would look very, very different. Can't say I can disagree with that whatsoever. Meanwhile, Hong Kong exchanges, they remain committed to the London Metals Exchange, despite the fact that they've got all manner of fees weighing on them on the $600 million court claim over the nickel nightmare, and indeed also worries that the LME case could redefine exchange powers to cancel trades, which is a risk overhanging all of the London exchanges as a result of the nickel nightmare and indeed the failings of the FCA with their oversight. The New York Stock Exchange Institute reported an interesting and impactful first year for their overall operations. The NICE Institute being one of the few organisations that actually go so far as to champion free markets. It's such a pity the parish does not do enough of this actually beyond NICE, NASDAQ, Hong Kong exchanges. And dare I say it, Exchange Invest, there are precious few bourses and bourse organisations truly pushing the message of the advantages of free open markets. Congratulations to the Manila Stock Exchange, the Philippine Stock Exchange Group. They've cut trade settlement times to two days. And at the same time, the PSE wants more firms to hold quarterly bulletins. One weird story of the week, NASDAQ US New Energy Exchange achieves dual breakthroughs in disrupting tradition, ensuring technological security and diversifying investments. So went a press release that was breathlessly reported in the Digital Journal. However, I was actually shocked to find the website behind it, a brazen Nasdaq ripoff lurking online during the course of last weekend, blithely slipping press releases into the ether and playing off the Nasdaq connection, right down to the bottom of the screen even showing copyright attributed to Nasdaq. There were a heap of suspect issues here, but nonetheless, it is a huge concern. This is a horrible scam which Nasdaq have been working to close down during the course of this week. It's an appalling thing to find the whole reasonable IP of a regulated exchange being effectively stolen by scammers. This kind of despicable behaviour is not unknown in the world of brokerage, especially the often dodgy leveraged FX, crypto and related spheres. However, this is the first occasion we've seen of a full-blown ID theft of a major exchange brand by nefarious actors which has managed to actually get into the wild. Results this week. Wow, it was a busy week for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. Good numbers from Hong Kong. Six-month revenue and other income was up 18%. That gave us a six-month EBITDA of 23%. 
Despite a mainland-driven turndown as China's getting to grips with its post-COVID economy and the dislocation thereof, Hong Kong exchanges nonetheless saw a hefty profit surge as investment income haircuts were enabling them to see significant rises. Now the beast of the yield curve has arisen from Kowloon Bay. ASX, the Australian Stock Exchange, on the other hand, operating revenue down 1.2%, EBITDA minus 7.8%, and frankly, just kind of disappointing in the first half of the year to June 2023, the 30th of June, that is. But then on the other hand, the problem with the Australian Stock Exchange these days seems to be that disappointment was expected. In deals, not such a frantic week for deals overall, although everything was reported in Exchange Invest, including a buyback by Compagnie Financière Tradition of its own stock and other issues. Two that we'll highlight here, EDI and Simcorp are partnering to offer ISO 15022 corporate actions data. Very good to see Jonathan Block, of course, an IPO vid alumni in episode 65, making another excellent move with software as a service Simcorp investment management solutions provider to deliver clients access to corporate actions data. Same time, actually, and this is amusing because the CEO there, Keith Todd of Trading Technologies, was our guest in the next episode of IPOVID, IPOVID 66. Trading Technologies are going to acquire Abel Nosser Solutions. Very interesting deal by Keith Todd here. It helps morph TT into a more cash equity market element, with Abel Nosser being one of those segmental monopolists which nobody has heard of until they're deeply entrenched in the cash share world. Meanwhile, if you're looking for some reading, whether it's summer going into autumn or even going spring into summer, wherever you are, or indeed you're at the end of summer, whatever the season, I recommend victory or death. Blockchain, cryptocurrency and the fintech world, an easy read, explaining the differing and diverging roles of banks and exchanges, explaining the winning business models of the new world order and placing in perspective just what Bitcoin, blockchain and cryptocurrency means for markets. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, don't forget to check out our live streams. We're still broadcasting on a Tuesday on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube. Tuesday 6pm London time, 1 o'clock New York time. Running repeats across the course of summer. Some of them are absolutely epic and no, not to be missed under any circumstances. Our next live show is going to be September the 12th after Labour Day with Reiner Zittelman. He's going to be joining us once again, this time to talk about The Wealth Elite. Speaking of The Wealth Elite, one of the best books I can think of, and thus this week's finance book of the week, is Investment Biker on the Road with Jim Rogers. It's the fascinating story of the legendary investor Jim Rogers' global motorcycle journey and investing trip with some hard-headed advice on the current state and future direction of international economies that will guide and inspire investors in foreign markets. Jim is always fascinating and inspiring, and I must say it's been a joy to, in the past, speak on conference bills alongside him. Very, very interesting guy. This journey was absolutely epic and makes for a fantastic read. Our next book of the week will be unveiled Saturday in the Exchange Invest Weekend Edition. That is, by the way, entirely free to read. You can sign up for it at exchangeinvest.com. And don't forget, of course, if you want all the news on the bourse business sent daily to your inbox, subscribe to Exchange Invest via exchangeinvest.com as well. It's only $349 per annum to join the Exchange of Information. Product news this week, Egypt is set to launch sugar trading on its commodity exchange, joining the two existing contracts there, yellow corn and wheat, making sugar the third at the new Egyptian commodities exchange.
Meanwhile, CME Group, they've realigned their foreign exchange businesses, expanding and reorganizing, making efficiencies, they say, for clients across futures, cash and OTC markets, putting all one platform together, bringing derivatives onto the same platform line as the EBS system. Technology ASIC, they've acknowledged the ASX's release of the Chess Program External Review Special Report and Audit Report. Links to the ASX report, of course, have been hotly clicked across the world, although it does feel as if ASX is working assiduously to bore everybody to death with endless reports without anybody being held responsible for the Chess Replacement non-DAH installation fiasco. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Over in Career Paths and People News, we talked about the CME reorganization of its FX group just a few minutes ago. And of course, that was centered around the fact that suddenly Jeff Ward was resigning as global head of EBS, leaving CME Group in September, with Paul Houston elevated to a global head of FX products role. Now it transpires, or at least it transpired a day or two later in Exchange Invest, the CME's group's Jeff Ward, the head of EBS, is taking over as the FX Spotstream CEO, dovetailing with his departure from the CME group in September. Other job news, Mark Carney, the former Bank of England chief, will be the new chairman of Bloomberg, thus surely handing Reuters an editorial independence advantage. Bloomberg indeed is fast becoming two entities, a fabulous vendor and a distinctly partisan news company. We've been continuing a theme throughout the course of August to discuss and make for upbeat news. This is slightly out of date. It's about 225 days by the time we publish here. But August the 18th was the 230th day of... 2023. That means that in 75 days time, about 70 days time by the time this podcast goes live, you need to be prepared for what may be the ultimate market phenomenon of 2023. In fact, you probably need to be fully prepared by the weekend before, as that's likely to be the peak partying point, barely 70 days away. In fact, 65 days away by the time we now publish this, as this came from Big World in our newsletter during the week. Clearly, how much candy you have pre-packed is an issue for trick-or-treaters, but when it comes to Halloween 2023, it's addressed to impress a fair from childhood to those adults who usually end the night regressing more than the kids. Let's face it, party outfits this year are at best a binary choice. And frankly, how many folks want to dress up as Oppenheimer and Channel? the Killian Murphy, Lothario vibe. Well, maybe more than apparently might be first thought, I suppose. But let's face it, pretty much everybody born female or identifying as female is going Barbie this year for Halloween, while a huge number of blokes are going to think it profoundly amusing to do the cinematic pink can look. That means we're looking at what amounts to an incredible bubble this September, October, dear listeners, in pink. So consider this your last warning, lest you want to channel your inner Barbie or Ken, or even worse, you have preteen daughters who want to do so, in which case this year's subscription to Exchange Invest itself was surely covered by ensuring five days ago that you had an early access opportunity to go long pink. Because let's face it, who wants a no pink tantrum as your eight-year-old tries to break into the family gun cabinet come October 20-something? Hence, if you don't want to risk going the same way as the Menendez brothers' hapless parents, albeit with a few sparkles, you need pink planning right now. 
And remember, Exchange Invest subscribers got a five-day lead on you in this one. Shipping cycles being what they are, they are probably at the last moment to raid Alibaba AliExpress to ensure shipping from overseas, aka China, which seems to be the world's epicentral producer of pink. Presumably, they cornered the market with exclusive pink mining rights in enclaves across Africa. Meanwhile, for those who like living dangerously in logistic terms, or Amazon Prime members as they're termed in many jurisdictions, that platform will feed clickbait stories to the tabloids through November with tales of scams, woe and non-delivery when their his and her gingham dress and matching Ken epaulets didn't appear, ruining entire first world lives. So in keeping with upbeat August in Big World, order your pink bits now for Halloween and whether you're going to a party or not end of October, remember to wear sunglasses when outside even during the hours of darkness when near key nightlife districts to reduce the risk of dazzled Halloween pink eye. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, creator of Markets the World Over, builder of exchanges, fascinated by marketplaces and advocate for the exchange and bourse business in every possible respect. I wish you all a great week in blockchain life and markets. And of course, you can catch us daily at exchangeinvest.com. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.